right now. Welcome into the Hackin' Leo podcast. It is great to say that we are finally together recording this show for the first time. What a time. Yeah, we're together for the first time. This is uh, rather different. We're actually like in front of me, like in the I flesh. I can see you. Yeah, that's right. You know, not on the uh, good old Skype cam of Miami. This is rather different. It is. It's, it's a great experience. Great to have you back with us. Uh, we're going to start things off today. A little bit off topic, but... We thought you guys would like it, and we, we need some help. Uh, this upcoming summer, Leo and I are forming a men's slow-pitch softball team, and we need some suggestions for a team name. We've looked up a couple. We've come up with a few that, that we thought were all right. Obviously, we're, we're open to any suggestion, but men's slow-pitch softball, there are some great names for teams, and pretty much anything's acceptable I'm, you know, from what I've heard. Yeah, from what I've heard, you know, anything's really acceptable when you're playing out there. You know, you want to compete, you want to win. And, well, that uh, we, of course, want to win. Of course. You know, you play to win the game. You know, that's how, that's how it works. That's why we're building a stacked all-star team with some of the greatest players ever assembled. We're going to try and go out there, recruit some D1 athletes, sign them up. Yeah, rumor is that um, we're going to have a, a visit from Troy Skoka. He'll come down on the weekends and play for us when he's done playing his uh, Vermont League, you know, 75 games in the season, whatever he's got going. But um, it'll be a nice to add a big lefty bat out there. That's right. But, um... So we, we do have some trouble with our team name, so we, we, we looked up a few. You know, we want to get the, uh, the opinion on of the thoughts here. So, uh, heck, what, what, what kind of names are we looking at here? Well, you know, you got, like, some of the classic names. You can go with, like, the Screwballs, the Benchwarmers is a classic name. You know, those are, like, anyone can come up with those. I think we go off topic. We go with, you know, some names that may infer something, maybe a team like the Backdoor Sliders. I happen that that might be my favorite one, the backdoor sliders that I think I've come up with. You, you think you might have have one, or you know? I like the backdoor sliders. I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm going to be you know, pretty much honest with you. I like the backdoor sliders the, the best out of the uh, the bunch we did look up. Screwballs and benchwarmers, those are like pretty much the classics. You know, you go, you know that's when yeah, you're in dire need, you don't you need a name. That's when you that's your go to right. name. But um, backdoor sliders is is looking like the name we want, unless we you know go way out there and look up something else we can infer but um you have son of a pitcher or something like there that you, go. you know yeah so there's a, there's a bunch i mean we have a lot of time but um you know we're really looking forward to it you know we definitely want to get the team together like i said we're going to build a quality all-star caliber team we we are hopefully going to have a team that's going to be ready to compete ready to win a you know ready to win a championship out there yeah that's what we want you know i i have some experience you know i did play over the summer i played in two games doubleheader on a sunday morning it was great great time <laughs> Um, played with uh, the elite coordinators for the uh, U Hoops uh, podcast that will be starting soon. Look up for that. Uh, Alicia Kerner and uh, Ken Kerner, all-time leading scorer at Nassau Community College, if you're wondering. Um, but he's a great athlete, so is she, and uh, we had a great time. So, Leo, you're going to be the veteran of this team, obviously, the veteran at 20 years old. So not not exactly the, the oldest team out there. We'll probably be the youngest team participating in men's slow-pitch softball, considering... Everyone on our team will still be in college, or maybe some will not even be in college, depending on where we recruit from. We're, we're trying to get some of the elite athletes here, and if we have to go to high school to get that kind of caliber that we need, we're willing to do it. Obviously, if any, any guys are out there that want to partake and play on this team, tryouts will be held. We will have open tryouts. Um, we're looking for a pitcher because, from what Leo's told me, that is the most dangerous position, so neither of us want to do it, and 
from the people we've spoken to, they don't want to do it either. So if you're a pitcher and willing to get rocked by a fast from a slow pitch toss and have a guy from 15 feet away drill you with it, then be my guest. Come on down. We'll have tryouts. Yeah, you know, if you're the pitcher, you're you're really taking one for the team. You're you're in there and you're in there to win, and that's all you think about when you're throwing the ball. Because I've seen it done when I played. Like I said before, you know, Ken was the was the pitcher of record. You know, he had a two and zero record. record. Pitcher pitcher of record. He was two and zero in the day. He he was he was he was great. But you know, he he refused to let anyone else pitch because he knew it's very dangerous. You have to have quick hands. You got to be able to move. You got to be athletic. You can't have some. You know, someone's slow in there because if it comes at you, you don't got much time. You got maybe a second. It may be less than that to move. You know, it, you're pitching slow. You're not. You're not throwing. You know, sixty feet, six inches. You're not. You're not doing major league baseball here. You're doing slow pitch men's softball in uh you know Oceanside out here. Where we're probably gonna be playing. So, it's dangerous. If you so if you wanna if you wanna sign up, you wanna be a pitcher for our team. Fill out the resume and let us know. Well, just a couple more questions I wanna ask you, Leo, as you know, the, the veteran, the older statesman of this team, uh, as someone that's never played before. What is a cat? Does a catcher wear gear for this? Does he, you know, no, is no, he no, set? No, no, no. Catcher does not wear gear. It's it's strictly, you know, you get the glove, you, you step behind the plate. What so happens, catcher what, can get drilled with so, a foul tip and die. I mean, hypothetically speaking, yes. I mean, it's or very break po- a bone. Or it's very possible that the foul tip could come and come at you, but it's not like where the catcher, you know, it bends down and like actually sits there with no, you. No, you're just know, standing. You kind of just stand in the back. You kind of like, you know, hide yourself maybe behind the ump who kind of is also back there. So the ump is, that was my next question, the ump is behind. The ump, the ump is like, he's there, but he's not like, you know, this isn't, this isn't baseball, baseball. He's, he's in the, he's, he's just, you know, hiding back there, sits out, and he, you know, there's a ball or a strike called it, you know, there's not many, so if you do throw a ball, like, he'll call it, but I think it also in softball, there's, there's different rules now. You only get two strikes, you don't get three. So like Jim, Jim Wiffleball. Jim Wiffleball rules are in full effect. The Strohmeyer right. rules are in full effect. That's how it works. So... Basically, if you're the catcher, you know, you're going to take your glove, you're going to sit back there. If the ball rolls by and you go, the guy doesn't swing, you pick it up, throw it back, you know, do the whole thing. But, you know, you can make plays at the plate. You know, that's fully legal. Contact? Con- I've, I have not seen contact, but if, what, if, if the men's softball league, I imagine some contact will be happening. Now, were you wearing uh, baseball pants or were you wearing shorts? I was wearing shorts. So you're and not going to slide wearing, on dirt in that. And I would not slide on the dirt. However, I would recommend maybe the pants if you're looking to slide. I don't believe head first sliding is allowed. Um, that, that would make sense, obviously. It would make sense. There is no leading. You have to be stationary to the base. Um, what, what are the bases? 60 feet? 90 feet? I believe they're 60 feet. Um, okay. So they're not too far. Um, you know, it's not like a 90 feet, you know, for the full thing. 60 feet, you know, back in the day of uh, 10th grade of baseball on the turf, you know, you hit the ball in the gap and it kind of runs and you got you could walk well, for there a run. Well, let me ask you this. The umpire is is behind home play. I, I always thought the umpire would be you know, sort of behind the pitcher. Remember back in, like, the elementary school days where, like, the ump used to stand back behind like the, the pitcher? Like the pitcher's helper position. Pretty much. So yes. the, ump, the ump stands behind him play. That's interesting to me. And how many, there's there's one ump, two umps? One ump usually. When the ball's hit, he'll make a dead sprint for second <laughs> to check out the outfield. So the ump's got to be in good shape as well. I mean, that's probably not a bad job, I guess. You can get that. Not a bad job. I'm pretty sure they get paid pretty well. All right, so... Obviously, you heard you heard our rant about this. We're looking for team names. We're also looking for players because we've had some players that we thought were going to be a part of the squad drop out because of other reasons. Um, listen, send in the team name. Send in a resume. We'll hold tryouts. We're going to have Troy Skoka, who you know plays for Fairfield. He's going to come down. He's going to be our hitting coach. He's going to be our Barry Bonds for this team. You know, 
our Mark McGuire, do whatever he needs. He's maybe our, give us steroids exactly. or whatever. Maybe without the steroids, though. No, no steroids. But we, we want clean players. That's right. Everyone needs to be clean on this team because we're, we're trying to win fair, but we will bend the rules if necessary. Of course. You know, we'll, we'll Bill Belichick it. Bend the rules as far as we can before it's cheating. That's right. So, uh, listen, stay tuned. Coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, the UFC fight. That was this last weekend. Talk about NFL free agency because that's crazy. Ten times better than the NBA trade deadline. And we'll close things out on an interesting note. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your Gus Buster today. Welcome back into the Hack and Leo podcast under review. Glad to have you back in with us. Once again, we will take resumes for the softball team. Anyways, as you just heard, Bruce Buffer, it's UFC talk time. UFC 196. McGregor goes down. Holly Holm goes down. I'm getting a phone call. Phone call in the middle of the podcast. You know, it happens all the time, so I'll take it from here, Hack. So... Basically, UFC 196 happened this past weekend. It turned out to be the biggest pay-per-view in UFC history. Conor McGregor has that, you know, that star power. He can he can do that. He can attract so many people to watch. And uh, unfortunately, for his for his case, he got dropped. Second round, you know, first when you saw he came out, he dropped his hands a little bit, got a little cocky, kind of pulled the Anderson Silva with the Chris Wyden move, dropped with the hands. And uh, I think he was a little surprised by uh, Nate being able to stand in there and box him for so long. And uh, you saw the, the, the whole difference in the reach and everything. So, you know, big, big loss, not only for Connor, but for the UFC. UFC poster boy Connor right there. But um, rumors are he's going to come back, and he says he wants to fight again. He wants to fight as quick as possible. He wants to get back in there. Most likely will defend his featherweight title coming up at uh, UFC 200. The opponent is not scheduled yet but if i take a guess i'm going to say it's, uh, it's going to be jose aldo or frankie edgar both are very deserving um we saw from the first fight with jose how that went with connor but um if i had to pick I, i'd want jose over connor over not connor um frankie i'd want jose and connor to get back in there because i want to see a real fight not a 12 second 11 second you know knockout i completely agree with you just a quick note on the phone call uh that was our left fielder that just called in he's officially on the team so glad that we have him on board thank you very much for uh you know joining the squad matthew seligman uh it's a true honor to have you as a part of the team probably put him somewhere in the top of the order a quick guy that can you know get on base do some damage is there stealing allowed there's no stealing allowed but on base Ah. percentage sure helps because you know you want those you want those runs you do want the runs anyways everything you just said about about that that fight with conor mcgregor uh i only caught a glimpse of it because uh i was i was out on that saturday night i tried to Get, get set to watch it, but I couldn't get the pay-per-view up in time. Uh, so I did see the knockout. I saw saw the knockout. I also saw how uh, Misha Tate beat Holly Holm in a fight that I, I kind of thought that, that Tate would beat Holly Holm in that fight. I think it was a better fight for, for you know, a better matchup for Tate than it was for Holm. And then it sets up the rematch between Tate and Ronda Rousey in the next fight, which will be sometime over the summer, I assume. Yeah, so... Um... 
both fights, you know, from Saturday night, you know, uh, I kind of had a feeling that Connor would struggle with Nate, and we saw that. And I, you saw that Connor's jiu-jitsu was very poor. When he goes to the ground, it's not as great as, you know, someone else in, who's been in the, in the UFC for a long time, like Nate. Nate Diaz is a proven boxer, but also great jiu-jitsu. You saw him choke him out by the very naked choke. And then the same thing happened with the Misha Tate Holly Holm fight. I mean, the the fight was better stylistically for for Misha because if Misha could get the fight to the ground, she had a much better chance of winning. Um, you know, you saw early on Holly did a great job of defending the takedown. I think she defended seven or eight takedowns. Um, and then finally, the fifth round, you know, Misha just knew she had to do you know go out, and that was it. All she if she didn't win off of that fifth round, and then that was going to be it. So she she came out. And she dominated that that round. She got finally towards the end. She was able to take Holly down, and so she, she locked in that rear naked choke, and she was not going to let go. And you know you got to give credit to Holly. You know she didn't even tap. She just kept going, and she pretty, was pretty much unconscious. That was yeah, it. She was she was out cold. Yeah, so she was pretty much out cold. So you know it was both you know just great great night of fights. You know awesome for the UFC. You know I'm happy that you know you people are now you know coming in and you know, trying to like you know get into the UFC, watch it. It's a great sport, you know. It's it's quickly rising. UFC 196 is was one of the biggest pay per views ever for them, and uh, coming up, you know, 197 is going to be up in April, and then you're going to have 198 coming up after that, and then leading up to 200, 200 in July, July 9th is going to be the date. It's going to be in uh, Las Vegas, and um, of course, where it always should be. Yes, the Las Vegas, the fight capital of the world, the UFC. So, looking forward to it. Uh, rumors right now probably is going to be Connors be on that card. Maybe Ronda if she decides to come back. I think she will for UFC 200. I can't see her missing that. The rumors are that she'll fight in the, in the fall, but I can see her being there for 200. And then uh, we'll go from there. I don't know who else they're going to get, but those are the two biggest stars in the UFC right now. Uh, Ronda's last fight was when? It was it was the fall, right? Yeah, Ronda's last fight was the fall. I was uh, actually up at Ithaca, so that was for Cortica weekend. So that was in November. So she, she's had... If she fights in in you know july when that fight is july 9th that's plenty of time for her to have yeah, been plenty of t- plenty of time off. i know she did have a very very long medical suspension um so after fights what happens is um, there's medical suspensions handed out where these fighters can't train or fight or do anything for this amount of period of time before they can get back in her medical suspension was very very long because she took a beating in that fight she took that you know head kick she got clipped in the first round by holly so she had a low medical suspension. I believe medical suspension. It will be over by the summer, so she should be able to get back in there and fight Misha, and it'll be for the trilogy. UFC is very famous for doing trilogies. There's been so many in the past. So to have the third fight, you know, and settle it, it's not really much of a settle, but, you know, Ronda is up 2-0 on her. But um, it, it would be nice to see from the other way around now, where Ronda is going for the belt and not Misha, you know, trying to get it. So Misha has it now with the defeat of Holly. Yeah, so UFC 196, big weekend. Obviously, looking forward to the future. A lot of big fights coming up. We now move on to NFL free agency. Big weekend, uh, not not a weekend, but big day of NFL free agency as just people were changing teams left and right. Teams are getting better. The Browns still suck. They're getting worse. Uh, the Browns cut Manziel. Uh, that was pretty recent news. But I think the thing that we got to start off with is Brock Osweiler and his decision to go from the Super Bowl winning Broncos he moves on down to Houston, where he gets a huge payday, four years, $72 million. This is a guy that's played seven NFL career games. Let me mind, you know, tell you, he was not very good in any of those seven games. He was a mediocre quarterback. Houston just says, screw it. Brock is our guy. 
This is the missing piece we've had. I mean, they have a very solid defense. They got DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver. They also were, were able to bring in Lamar Miller in free agency. But they were like, listen, we need Brock here. And four years, $72 million, that's a, that's a ton. That's a boatload of money for him. It's a boatload of money. He's pulling the Matt Flynn. Is what he's doing. And Matt Flynn tweeted about it. Eh? Matt Flynn tweeted about it. Matt Flynn was on Twitter. You know, he's a he's a great man. He ex Jet, ex Seattle Seahawk, with who landed him all that money. So you know, you, you saw what Matt Flynn was able to do, and that that with that money, he really didn't work out. He didn't pan out. Hopefully, Brock Osweiler does pan out for the Texans because if they do, if he doesn't, that's a ton of money. You know, I guess you know the NFL. It's very different from other sports. You can cut a guy, and it won't count towards your cap, but. Still, that's a ton of money be handing to a guy who's only started seven games. Yes, he was somewhat productive in those games, but you have to realize Brock Osweiler was on the Denver Broncos. That the Denver Broncos team had a dominating, dominating defense. They kept those team, his all those teams, you know, close and helped them out. So, you know, the Texans are all in. They have a good D as well. They have some weapons on offense. You know, like Hack said, they were able to sign Lamar Miller. So they're they're looking to make a push. You know, people. Like coming into this past season, the Texans were going to be, you know, look as a, like a good team, but they had no quarterback play. Couldn't get anything consistently done there. So with a quarterback, you know how that's the NFL is. It's a quarterback-driven league. Without a quarterback, you can't do anything. So Brock Osweiler, hopefully for the, for the Texans, can be that guy. But moving on, you know, there's other, there's a ton of other guys, you know, that signed in the past couple of days. You know, the NFL free agency is it hits you real quick. It's a one or two day thing. It's you know hits you right in the face. Matt Forte. Big, Great big addition. For the Jets. Big addition for the Jets. They lost Chris Ivory, but I believe we were, they were able to sign Matt Forte, Bilal Powell, and Kyrie Robinson to a total of what you know around what Ivory would have been making. So they were able to conserve and get these guys in there. And Matt Forte is a perfect fit in this offense. Pass catcher. He can run the ball. He can do it all. In 2014, he was on my fantasy team. He's amazing. It's 102 catches for a running back, which is an NFL record. Just incredible. I know he's getting to that you know age where people say running backs are out of the. We're going to be you know going on the downfall of thirty and over. But I think he has a lot left. Oh, I completely agree with you. Listen, people said the same thing last year about Brandon Marshall when he came to the Jets, and look look at the season he had last year. Great season. Matt Forte will be a perfect fit in this Jets offense because Chan Gailey loves to spread it out, loves to go five wide, and he occasionally puts the running back in there as that fifth wide receiver when they you know they move him out of the backfield. What a safety valve to have. In Matt Forte, a terrific pass catcher, a guy once he gets the ball in his hands, is extremely explosive. This is a great addition to the Jets. And they got him at, at a pretty cheap amount, considering that Chris Ivory went to Jacksonville for around $6 million. Jets got Forte for about $2 million less than that. And Forte, I think, happens to be a better running back. Better threat coming out of the backfield. Nothing against Chris Ivory. He, he was great for the Jets in his two years that he played for them, two or three years. But the problem was that as the season wore on, the contact he took from every single play that he was out there, because he would just pound and pound all that, you know, all, all the contact he took from game after game led to him slowing down, and the injuries eventually led to his season sort of stopping, you know, and, and not having the kind of year that he could have had, because he started off, he his first couple weeks for the Jets in, in that season were electric. He was having great numbers sort of, you know, trailed off as the season went on. But the Jets bring in Forte. They bring back Powell, who was a solid third down back. They also bring in Robinson, a guy who will probably be their goal line back. Guy who's a big bruiser, can come in, get that one, two yards when they need it. Jets backfield, very set. I like the moves that, that Mike McCagnum made in the offseason. I think Bowles will be happy with them. Obviously, Gailey, as offense coordinator, now has the piece of Forte to just 
do whatever he wants with Forte. Terrific move for the Jets. We now talk about another running back who was on the move, this time by trade. DeMarco Murray, he moves to Tennessee. The Eagles just blowing everything up from the Chip Kelly days. Tennessee, listen, they, they got a young core. They have Mariota, they get DeMarco Murray, who was, you know, the NFL uh, leading rusher in the 2014 season. Had an off year last year with Philly, but that was because he didn't get nearly as many touches as he had when he was with the Cowboys. This Tennessee team, I'm not saying they're, you know, they're going to be a playoff team, but they're getting better. They have a good draft, and next season they're able to sign someone and have another good draft. This team could be very dangerous. Yeah, Tennessee is on the is on the up and coming, but the thing is, what I always say about Tennessee is, and a lot of people have, tend to agree with me on Twitter when I have posted this, Tennessee might be the most irrelevant sports franchise now. I mean, that's who, true. You go and you think about who talks about the Tennessee Titans. That's true, but you know what? Winning changes all that. You can exactly. win a couple games. There you, you go. You bring in Demarco Murray. You got you know a young quarterback there, in Mariota. You know, that's what you need. You need to start strong at the quarterback position, and they have a good young quarterback. You bring in DeMarco Murray, you throw some pieces around it, and you can compete. They have one great player on defense that I think we all know of is Darrell Casey. He's shown to be in a very prominent defensive you know, tackle, and he's very athletic. So if they can add some pieces, maybe Tennessee can, you know, improve on what they had last year. I'm not saying they make the playoffs again, but or you can get there, but... If they can just improve on what they have, bringing in DeMarco Murray is a, is a great add for them. Obviously, you could tell that the Eagles are on a fire sale. They're trying to get anything out that Chip Kelly brought in. You know, From the start of that whole mess, is, is, it's a whole other story. The whole Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, just the whole shipping out of all the players that they had. And now shipping them out again. But you know that, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But the Eagles are restarting. So keep on the, you know, the Eagle tab here. Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell. Swap to Miami, and they're going to swap picks. Picks 8 and 13 are going to get swapped. Two other guys, Kiko Alonso, Byron Max, are brought in and shipped right out. Yep, they, uh, and the Alonso was was a big deal because he was involved in the trade from Buffalo with LaShawn McCoy, who was part of the Eagles. Now the Eagles have gone through McCoy and DeMarco Murray in two seasons. Not sure who they're going to have playing running back. At the start of this upcoming season, I don't know if Sproles is still there, but Ryan they're Matthews gonna have to, is still there. They're going to have to draft a running back because Matthews is beyond injury prone. Sproles is not an every down back. He's a great guy to have come out of the backfield occasionally, but cannot do it every down. You look at you look at the Eagles. They're going to have to start from scratch. Doug Peterson's going to have to you know rebuild this team from the bottom up. They're not going to be good for a while consistently because of what they've done, especially not when you have quarterbacks like Sam Bradford. You have who else signed there? Chase Daniel signed Chase there. Chase Daniel. I don't know if Mark Sanchez is still there or not, but you know they're they're struggling in the most important position. Sam Bradford. He has you know his games where he looks great, his games where he looks horrible, and he's an injury away from breaking his collarbone or whatever he does because yeah. he's always got a problem with his shoulder. It's the same thing with Tony Romo. Yes, Tony Romo is getting up there in age. That's a whole different story, but Bradford hasn't hasn't been healthy in in, in such a long time to be able to complete a full season. So you can't count on Sam Bradford being there for the whole year. That's why you know they went out, they got Chase Daniel, a guy that's familiar with the, with Doug Peterson from Kansas City. So if anything does go wrong, they can plug in a guy that knows the system. But the Eagles this year coming in, they're trying to revamp everything. So hopefully things work out for them. You know that division did get a lot better. So let's move on to the, the team in, in that division. The New York Giants have what all, what an off season. what an off season. All the money. I know the NFL makes you spend the money. That's how it works. But if you have the money and you're going to spend it. At least go out and spend it and get the right guys. 
and they have significantly improved that defense from what it was last year. That defense last year, I can remember that Saints and Giants game. What a game that was. Just, you liked high scoring. Have you liked high scoring? Downs. You were playing fantasy football like me. You loved it, but what a game. The, the defense is irrelevant. You could literally walk to the end zone, it looked like. Now, with, I think they did once or twice. Once or twice, you might have. You could have crawled, maybe. Now, with the addition of Janoris Jenkins at corner, Damian Harrison snacks, Moving from the Jets to the Giants, gets to stay home, gets to play, play in the same building. We love him, but he'll move on to go to the Giants. And then you can't you think of it like Olivier Vernon. What a deal! The highest expe- like contract ever for a defensive end. He's getting more money than JJ Watt, which is and more money than than Von Miller. Who Von Miller next when he's oh yeah off when he's not going to be franchise tag next season. Forget it. His his contract's going to be insane. But listen, the Giants. They had money to spend, and as you said, the NFL makes you spend it. I don't know if Olivier Vernon is worth the highest-paid contract for a defensive end, but listen, he put up some terrific numbers the last couple seasons with the Dolphins, and he's a guy that's only 25 years old, so he's still got plenty of room to you know, expand on his game, get better. He's going to be on a defensive line with Harrison, with JPP. Now you put him there. A solid Giants defensive line, and a defense that's getting better when they have you had Jenkins, they have guys in Landon Collins who's still pretty young. The Giants did a great job this offseason getting better defensively because that was their weakest part. I'm very impressed with what they were able to do this offseason. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's got to be impressing the Giants right now are the winners of the offseason just because, you know, they have all that cap to spend. There's other teams in you know in the NFL that still have a lot of money to spend, a lot of things to, to get done. I think one of those teams was, you know, the Oakland Raiders coming in had a lot of money to spend. Uh, so far to this point, they've signed Bruce Irvin away from Seattle. Great, you know, linebacker, defensive end who can help them out there. I think they lost Alvin Smith, who they picked up, worked out for a little bit, but you know, that's out the window now. But they have a dominant one in Cleo Mack. Now you're going to add yeah. Bruce Irvin to the other side. So, you know, everyone's building on what the Broncos, the Seahawks, and these dominant defenses have done. You know, if you can show that you have a dominant pass rush, that's going to help you in the long run. And you got Cleo Mack, and you got Bruce Irvin. So that should help the Raiders. They were also able to sign... Uh, Kalechi also. Oh god, here we go. This name. We knew we got a problem. Very difficult name. Kalechi Osemele. There you go. There we go. Got it. One try. Two tries. Two tries. I got it. But they were able to sign him away from the Baltimore Ravens. Offensive guard. A great, great player there. He was ranked, I think, third or fourth on the free agent list for you know top 100 free agents for the season. So they were able to get him to help their offensive line. So helps out a lot. Yeah, good signing for the Raiders. The Raiders obviously uh, improving their team. That if you, they get some improvement from Derek Carr, quarterback this season, because he expanded on a he had a good rookie season. If he can expand on that, listen, the Raiders can be up there and compete depending on who plays quarterback for the Broncos this year in that AFC West. Some other smaller moves that that were made. Marvin Jones went to the Lions. Uh, he got big money. I guess they expect him to replace Calvin Johnson. Obviously, no one's going to replace no one's doing Calvin that. Johnson. You, you had the Marvin Jones move. Mohamed Sanu went to the Falcons. He's expected to replace Roddy White, who they let go. Uh, Chris Hogan, as Leo likes to say, 7-11, he's open all the time. Hard knocks right there. He went to the Patriots from the Bills. Uh, Alex Mack from Cleveland, because no one wants to go to Cleveland, except for Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he went to the Falcons. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick has come out and said, hey, I want to go to the Cleveland Browns. I want to play under Hugh Jackson. Colin Kaepernick, are you crazy? Why well, do you want to go is, to Cleveland? Thing is, there's Colin nothing Kaepernick, good about Cleveland. No, there's nothing good, but here's the thing. 
Well, first off, he would be a starter there in Cleveland, which I think he obviously wants to be as a starter. The second thing is, Colin Kaepernick has no say where he goes. He's not a free agent. He's a he's a player under contract with the 49ers, and if the 49ers say, hey, we've had enough of you, he'll go wherever they say, because he doesn't have yeah, any he, option in he it. He has no say. He has no, you know, pull. It's If the 49ers want to send him to, you know, they can send him anywhere they want. So, it's it, it, he can come out, he can say he wants to play for the Browns all he wants, but... I mean, it, like you said, he's under contract. He's not a free agent. He doesn't have any say. So, you know, it is what it is. I, mean, I don't know what the trust issues there with, with the 49ers and Kaepernick are, but, you know, you, you bring in Chip Kelly in there now, and Chip Kelly, we all thought this would be a perfect fit. I thought it would be You got fight. a running quarterback with an absolute laser of an arm who brought a team to a Super Bowl, yes, under a much, much, much better head coach, not Chip Kelly, but it's perfect fit, you would think, between Kaepernick and Chip Kelly – but now rumors are that they they're having issues there, and you know he's coming off of an injury. He went on IR. And he's coming back, trying to fight back for this season to get a, get a you know starting job somewhere. If the 49ers want to ship him out. He wants to go to the Browns. So be it. But I can't see why anyone would want to play for Cleveland. That franchise has just been pitiful. Oh, I completely agree. Cleveland, they are already thinking to next season. They're they're already looking at the 2017 draft to see who they can possibly get with one of the top picks because they're gonna be terrible. And I don't know how many games they won this year. Three. Three, three, four. They year? were. They have some like on offense. Like Gary Barnage was uh, outstanding. Yeah, he was on my fantasy season. team. He was a great. Kept up with his season for you know pretty much all year, and he was outstanding. And they signed him to an, an, another a new deal. They're able to retain him, but on their defense, they lost everybody. Yeah. Deshaun Gibson was a ball hawk in their secondary. Gone. They, Alex Mack and you know one of the Pro Bowl centers in the league. Gone. Because everyone realizes... Travis Benjamin, their best wide receiver. Here you go. Gone. Gone. All these weapons and all these players that they had, they were like of prominent... You know, they were good. They were just gone because they don't want to be here and, and deal with the, the whole story of Cleveland. They, they they know how it goes. They've seen it before and they don't want to be involved. They want... They, everyone wants out. And I don't I don't blame them. You've got the Johnny Manziel thing hovering over Cleveland. It's it's never going to go away. I mean, finally, they caught him today. It took long enough. I mean, they were trying to like see if anyone would make a trade for him. No one's going to make a trade for a guy... Who just uh, is accused of assaulting his girlfriend and breaking her eardrum? Yeah, that, that it, was it's never a mess. It's a mess. There's no way. So I, I can't blame these guys for wanting to leave Cleveland. I, I, I you know, you got to get out of there. Uh, I'm with you. Just uh, some other small things. Obviously, we discussed the Kaepernick possibility of him going to the Browns. Obviously, the Broncos were involved in that. Another team that the Broncos are somewhat mentioned with, not really mentioned with, is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and whether or not he's going to come back to the Jets. Whether the Jets will even offer him anything, because I know they've been trying to lowball him right now. The Broncos, at a point, might want to offer Fitzpatrick. It depends. The Jets need Ryan Fitzpatrick back to an extent. They obviously cannot afford to pay him a ton of money, where it would handcuff the team for years to go down. You know, years down the line, because this is a guy that the Jets need for this season and the season after, and that'll probably be it. Because hopefully by then they'll have found a long-term replacement. Don't get me wrong, Ryan Fitzpatrick was terrific for this Jets team this last season, but he's a little bit older, and he has, he probably maximized his potential this last season, to say the least. So the Jets need him back if they can get him at a good price, but that's difficult to say, considering Brock Osweiler just got $72 million and he played seven games, and you look at what Fitzpatrick put up this year with his numbers, he's going to want more than that, or right around there. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame the guy. He looks at what Osweiler got. He looks at all these other quarterbacks around the league. You've got Sam Bradford, who, like, broke the bank and is basically stealing money. 
Um, you know, you can't blame the guy. He goes around and he sees all, the, all this money being thrown around in the NFL today. And he had a great year. I mean, yes, he probably did. You're right. He probably did maximize his potential. I think he threw for 31 touchdowns. I mean, he has also had two great weapons. He played. He had a good, good year. He was great. Great for the Jets. And, you know, you can't give a guy all that money and handcuff yourself for the coming years. Like you said, you can't just, you know, you have so many other players to think about in the future. That's the trouble. And that's the hard part of being a GM in the NFL. You got to think ahead. You can't, you know, you have to think about now. Plus, you got to think about ahead. All these players you're going to have, you got Sheldon Richardson, you got Muhammad Wilkerson, you got all these players that are looking eventually. You're going to have to get these big deals, and you got to have money available. So you can't just dump it all into your you know, aging quarterback. You're gonna, you know he's not going to be here for the long term. Hopefully the Jets can find that long-term you know, quarterback. It would be nice if Bryce Petty could turn to that, because God knows we all don't want Geno Smith in there. We've seen no, that story no, we before. Don't that. We don't need that happening. So we got to get him at it. We, we got to get you know Bryce Petty even to you know, over the next few years to... To, to grow and learn and you know get but for now they need Fitzpatrick they need him to get back in here and you know join what we have built here you know we t- we talked about the additions before plus you know what we already have on the defensive side of the ball so Jets need to find a way to come to an agreement with Ryan Fitzpatrick if they want to make any of a or sort of a run this year for sure yeah the Jets hopefully will be able to build through the draft as well listen huge NFL free agency this year a lot of big moves a lot of big stuff that went around I think we pretty much discussed everything that was possible. A uh, couple of other QBs that, that are still out there are RG3, who who knows where he'll end up. He'll probably end up as a backup somewhere. Brian Hoyer, why anybody would still want him. He's a backup wherever he goes. Maybe back to Cleveland. Yeah. Who knows where yeah, he'll end up. I mean, you, you, the thing is, like, you saw last year with what a backup quarterback and how valuable it is. So these guys, yes, they're not these big names, but... They'll get signed somewhere. They'll get traded for because of their value of a backup quarterback. You saw in Dallas. They had a great team. Tony Romo goes down. You throw in Brandon Whedon. How many quarterbacks did they go through? It, it didn't Whedon, work out. Castle. Exactly. So you have a backup quarterback and you have you know, just be capable. Capable. You just get them through games until you know, your starter comes back. You know that, That's huge. So I think the backup is you know, a little underrated in the NFL. People might realize that you know, a backup quarterback, yeah, he might sit there. But you want someone who knows the system and can, can do the right things for you and come in in, in, in the case of an injury. You saw the Jets, you know, even but that Oakland game was a mess. But Fitzpatrick was out, Geno comes in, the game was already over. But you know, yep. you see, Geno can't, you know, comprehend and, and he can't do anything that close to what Fitzpatrick can do. So the backup quarterback in the NFL is is very valuable. All right, so hope you liked our show once again. Under review podcast, Jake Hackinson, that's Anthony Leo. Hopefully, you tune in next week. We'll. Probably be discussing March Madness. We'll try and get a show up right before the tournament starts off. Give you our predictions, who we think is going to win. Run through our brackets. Hopefully, Asmund's doing a bracket this year so we can all get in there. Big March Madness bracket like usual. Uh, Thanks for listening in.